0: Hi, and welcome back to Pursue Wisdom, the teaching podcast of Bethlehem Church in Austin, Minnesota. I'm Paul Steele. I'm the pastor here at Bethlehem Church, and we believe that the church's one mission is to make disciples. That's the task that Jesus gave to his church, to his followers, is to make disciples. And that means we want to do what we can to help people in their spiritual formation. That is the reason why we are providing the teaching that happens here at Bethlehem to you, to assist you, to be a resource for you in your spiritual formation in Jesus Christ. Now, it has been a couple of weeks since I've been able to release one of our podcasts. It's It's been a hectic time, and being a small church pastor, uh, I haven't don't always have the time to edit and get things uh, together. And so we have two uh, teachings here coming up uh, that will be released almost back to back, and this one that you're about to listen to is the final sermon that I I preached in connection with the story. Now we did the story, which is this abridged version of the Bible, to to get a better understanding of what the Bible is all about. What is the main main themes of the Bible? What is it teaching us? What is it showing us about God? And about ourselves, and to develop in our lives the the discipline, the practice of regularly reading God's word. So, as we wrap that up, it, we looked at Revelation, and what does that tell us? What, what is the Christian hope looking forward to? So uh, that Sunday that I preached this sermon, we had we had baptisms going on, and we had. It was our communion Sunday. So this is a little bit shorter sermon than uh, what I usually do, just over 20 minutes long. But I hope that it encourages you. I hope that it reminds you that no matter what happens in this world, that we can have hope. So I hope that you enjoy it, and I'll see you on the other side. Uh, we have been going through the story. And the story is this abridged version of the Bible that we've used for two reasons. And the first reason is that we've wanted to understand what the story of the Bible is all about. You know, what is the Bible telling us about who God is, his character, his purposes, his ways? And what does the Bible tell us about ourselves as human beings created in the image of God? How, how do we relate to God? How do we fit into his kingdom? And so we've been using the story to help us understand that. The second reason we've been using the story is to develop in our hearts or into our lives this practice or discipline of reading God's word right? Because we believe that God's word, or the Bible is God's word, and it's a gift to His people. And for us to be good stewards of that gift, we have to read it, we have to study it, we have to discuss it within groups. You know, because re- remember the Bible was primarily written to be read out loud in groups in a public set- setting and talked about and taught. And so, so we need to have that public discussion with one another. And than to apply it to our lives. That's how we are good stewards of this gift of the Bible. And so we have made it all the way through the story. Chapter 20, 31. Chapter 31, the end of time. And so when we talk about ending, we know that often the end is not the end, right? The end is not the end. The end is a start of a brand new thing. So here in a a couple weeks, a few weeks, we'll have some people graduating from high school. And while it might be the end of their high school experience, but it's the start of a new chapter of their life. And we, you know, when you come to an end of a job, it might be the end of that job, but it's the start of something new. And when we look at this, Yes, it's the end of the story, right? It's the end of going through this. But it's a start of something new as we look uh, forward here to the next sermon series of Galatians. And, and when we look at this this Bible as a whole, we understand that at the end, that even with our death, it's not the end, right? That it's the start of experiencing life in a new way. That's the promise of Jesus. The end is not the end. The end is often the opportunity for the new start. So as we talk about the end of time, let's just try to remember where we've been in the story because it should, the end should line up with where it's all started at. It should, there should be a line, there should be a thread that runs through. Thing. So remember, the Bible opens up with God creating. Right in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is creating, He's creating a good creation. And part of that good creation is that He creates human beings in His image his image bearers, his representatives, as I've been saying, right? That God created us to demonstrate his character in this world. So we are co-rulers with God in this world, demonstrating his character, bearing his image. And Adam and Eve faced a choice. Are they going to listen and follow after God's wisdom, after God's advice, or God's will, or are they going to define good and evil on their own? Are they going to choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or are they going to choose the tree of life? And what we see is that Adam and Eve chose to define good and evil on their own. They chose to to do their own thing and as a result they bring in sin which corrupts god's good creation that is the that's the foundation plot line of the bible that god's good creation has been corrupted starting with his image bearers what is god to do God chooses from the very beginning not to give up on his good creation, not to give up on what he has set out to do. Rather, he seeks to restore, to reconcile his creation, his image bearers, back to himself. And how does he do that? Well, God establishes covenants with people. He establishes a covenant with this guy by the name of Abraham, and he says, hey, I am going to use you. You're going to be the father of many nations, of many people, and through you, I'm going to bless all the nations of the world. Remember the chapter right before that, chapter uh, 11 in Genesis, we see the, the, the Tower of Babel and how God divides The nations of the world and scatters the nations of the world but now here in chapter 12 God calls Abraham says through you and your descendants I'm going to bless all the nations of the world I'm going to bring them back and so God chooses this man chooses his family establishes a covenant with them and he seeks to bring reconcile reconciliation restoration into this world And he works with them, and he rescues these descendants, this nation out of Egypt, which becomes one of the foundational stories of what the, Bi- what the Bible is all about. And he brings Israel out of slavery in Egypt to the Mount Sinai, where he, again, where he makes a covenant with the nation of Israel. He says, I am going to use you. You're going to be set apart. You're my chosen position. You're my chosen people. I'm going to set you apart to be a light in this world, to prepare the way for the one who will come and save and bring restoration into this whole world. Now, the sad reality, as we've read through the story, as you read through the Old Testament, is that Israel fails in their covenant obligations. They keep breaking the covenant. They don't stay faithful to the covenant. But even in Israel's unfaithfulness, God remains faithful. Even when God sends Israel off into exile, he's continuing to prepare the world for his Jesus. And that's what happens, right? Right? As we transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament, this one that God has promised so long, this descendant from Abraham, this descendant from from the line of David, the one who's going to be the true king of Israel, he comes and Jesus lives and he announces The coming of the kingdom. What is the basis of all of Jesus' message? It can be summed up in this. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. God is calling, or Jesus is calling people back to God to denounce, right, We've, we've we've talked about this with repentance. Repentance isn't just feeling sorry for your sins, but when we connect this to kingdom language, the kingdom of God is near. When we talk about kingdom language, what Jesus is asking us to do is nothing less than defection, right? He is saying, I want you to defect from the kingdom of darkness. I want you to defect from Satan's kingdom. I want you to announce, declare your allegiance, your loyalty to God's kingdom. That's what repentance is all about. It's denouncing our participation with Satan in his kingdom and declaring our loyalty to to God, to his kingdom. So Jesus comes to usher in God's kingdom into this world, and he's calling people to come and join him. And how do we know that Jesus is the Messiah? How do we know that Jesus is the one who came to save us? Because Jesus was crucified on a cross for our sins, and through that death, there's this atonement that's been made so that we can once again have this right relationship with God. And then even more important, Jesus rose from the dead. He was resurrected to say to us, to be this declaration to us, that in him there is new creation. In him we have new life. In him there's—we are— image of God is being restored. Once again, we can be God's image bearers in this world to demonstrate his character to, this, to, to the world that we live in. Jesus delivers us from sin. He restores that relationship. He makes that all possible. And then what happens? Jesus' followers are made into this thing called the church. And the church is given this task to take the gospel. And the gospel, remember, is a very technical term. It's not just a a little shortcut way of saying, this is the plan of salvation. No, the gospel is this. The gospel is that God's kingdom is breaking into this world through the man of Jesus Christ through his death, through his resurrection. So we go out into this world, not just giving people this, this message of salvation, but giving this, the, the world this declaration, this hope that through Jesus, not only can we be saved from our sins, but all of creation can be saved from sin and from corruption, that God's restoring it all. He's bringing justice. He's bringing righteousness. He's bringing forgiveness into it all. And so we we put our faith in Jesus and we go out into this world to proclaim the gospel. And as we do that, we do this. We make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing people into the name of uh in, into <laughs> baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey all that jesus taught that's our call that's what we've been called to do that's that's what god expects from his people and so now we come to this final book of the bible called revelation and revelation is a strange book right how many of you tried to read revelation and just say what in the world is this talking about you know, you have these beasts and these dragons, and you have these creatures with seven eyes and wings, and like, what in the world is going on here? Like, it's a strange book. It's, it, it's, it's something that we don't quite understand because it's written in a form of literature that we don't use. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Uh, the closest that we have to the type of literature that the revelation is, is the political cartoon. That when you look at some of these political cartoons, if you came from another country and you didn't understand what a donkey and an elephant represent, you're, you're like looking at that thing and thinking, what in the world is this even talking about? Or you look at this figure called Uncle Sam, and you're like, Who's that? Like, you understand the political cartoon when you understand the symbols and what those represent. And the same it goes with Revelation. Like, if you don't—one of the reasons we don't get what Revelation is about, we don't necessarily understand the symbolism that's going on there. Mark Moore, in his book, How to Dodge a Dragon, talks about one of our prob- main problems with, with Revelation is, is, is that Revelation is like this picture— this painted picture on the wall. And what we want to do is we want to get up so close to that picture and we want to count the brushstrokes that are there. And so we have all these discussions about 666 and the Antichrist and all this stuff. And we kind of miss the point that what we need to do is take a step back and take in the whole picture. And the whole picture of Revelation is this. Don't get discouraged. I should have put this all on on the slide, but I didn't. Don't get discouraged. God is still in control because it's written to a people who are being persecuted, who uh, who, who have reason to be discouraged. So don't get discouraged. Don't compromise. Don't compromise with the beast. Don't compromise with the dragon. Don't put your allegiance there because in the end, God wins jesus is going to return the new heaven and new earth it's on its way so don't compromise so if you read the book of, of revelation and you kind of come away like oh man this is scary stuff you've mess-read the book the book is there to encourage us to remind us that god is in control So where does this all lead? This leads here us to Revelation chapter 21, verses one through four. Revelation chapter 21, verses one through four. After we had... Acts is not Revelation. There we go. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand twenty-one. Twenty is not twenty-one—twenty-one. 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven— from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God he will wipe every every tear away from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away so this is the christian hope this is the christian hope the christian hope isn't necessarily how we envision going to heaven when you die as n.t wright says it's what the resurrection is about isn't life after death it's life after life after death This is the Christian hope. This is what we're looking forward to. It's that God recreates heaven, restores heaven and earth. Heaven comes down and God joins his people. It's the restoration of what Eden was all about. That his people would spend time with him that he would be there among us. That's what we're looking forward to. It's this restoration of the things the way God originally intended. And God will dwell with his people. God hasn't been able to dwell with us. He's made covenants with us. He's given us the law. He's... he's, created the the tabernacle and the temple these little spaces where we where people could go and and encounter him after Jesus after Jesus what happens he gives us the holy spirit so that we can encounter God that he can guide us in some way after this after Jesus returns there's this hope there's this this thing that we're looking forward to where we Get to dwell with God. God dwells with us. And it's a place where there's no more death, no more mourning, no more pain. We are with God. God is with us. It's the way life was meant to be lived. See, what the story is all about is that the story is about God creating people who will freely choose him over everything else. That once we experience this new heaven, this new earth dwelling with God, there's no more sin, there's no more corruption because in this time we have learned God has taught us, he's refined us, he's restored us. That when God feels distance, when God isn't even, as Jesus says, when you pray to God who is invisible, when we don't necessarily even see God, we've chosen to love him, we've chosen to follow him. So that when we have this dwelling with God, what will we do? We will choose to follow him because we have learned, he has taught us through this time, that following him is the best way to live. That's what this is all about. It's God choosing, creating a people who will follow him, who will love him no matter what. That's what he desires. That's what is happening in all of this. So here's the big idea today. God's people are to faithfully follow Jesus as we wait for God's new creation. We are to faithfully follow Jesus as we wait for God's new creation. We're in this time, this period, where we're waiting. We're waiting. And it gets long, and sometimes we wonder, God, are you up there? God, are you doing anything? When's all this going to happen? When is righteousness, when is justice going to be done? When are you going to make things right? But the book of Revelation tells us, hang in there don't compromise don't sell out continue to follow jesus because this is the end goal this is the end goal that we that god will dwell with his people and we will experience life the way it was meant to be lived and i don't know about you but that makes me excited that makes me come alive that makes me look so much forward to what God is doing that even in the midst of seeing things kind of crumble around us like no there's every reason to have hope because God is still on his throne and God's still moving history to this point and so I'm going to follow after him our challenge then is to read Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23 what we call the fruit of the spirit because how do we faithfully follow after Jesus? By being guided by the Spirit. And when we're guided by the Spirit, we become people who love, who live with joy, who are, pe- who are peaceful, who, who are peacemakers, right? Who are kind, good, you know, all, the, all that list. That's what we need. We need to be guided by the Spirit so we can be the people that God wants us to be. So remember, the Bible is one unified story, and it points to Jesus. It points to Jesus. The Bible is all about Jesus and how Jesus is the one through whom God has restored all things. It's through Jesus that new creation is able to happen because of his death and his resurrection. The Bible is ultimately the story of Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we love you and we thank you that you have brought us here to this point. At this point in history, yeah, we can get discouraged because the life that we've known is kind of following, falling away. And we, we can look forward with this cynicism, this, this, this uh, uh, like, what's happening But Father, help us not to go down that road. No matter what happens in the world around us, give us a feeling of hope. Give us faith to trust in you because we know that you are in control and that one day Jesus will return and make everything right. And we put our trust and our faith in him and it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. As followers of Jesus, we can live with hope. The Bible points us to the end, to this time that that God will finally redeem, restore his good creation, that Jesus will return and make everything right. That means no matter what happens around us, no matter what evil may come our way, we approach it, with hope, and with joy, and with confidence, because we know that God is in control, that God is orchestrating events in this world through history for this end of new creation of the heavens and of the earth. And we look forward to that time with hope, and with peace, and with confidence. So I hope that this podcast has been an encouragement to you. I hope that it has stimulated your own times of meditations and your and your thoughts on Jesus. And so my one ask of you, if you've benefited from this podcast, that you would go to BethlehemChurchAustin.com and give. There's the, the tab to give right there uh, to help us out, to help us out in, in the production of, the, of this podcast. I want to thank you again for for listening and have a wonderful week. God bless.